Hey everyone, it's Erica and Christian Raphael, and we'd like to welcome you to our backpack, the podcast where we give you the tools to support your personal and professional journey. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of our backpack. Super excited to be here this week. Um, you know, Christian and I have been watching the reviews and the plays, and we are super excited that you all are tuned in with us. We were not expecting this, but it has been a beautiful and pleasant surprise. I mean, Christian said that his Latin third eye did predict this. <laughs> But even as we venture forward um, with you all listening to us and supporting us, I think the shock is like still there. I mean, it is because when you have an idea to do something, you can just do it and not hope for anything in return. But it's nice to see that people are tuning in and listening. So I just want to take a moment to say thank you for all those who are engaging. And if you ever need anything, you know, we're here. Yeah, and I'd like to take a moment to thank Christian for following me with this adventure and what could seem like a crazy out there idea with all the other things that we have going on. It's nice like when you and someone sit down to do something and y'all actually do it. Yeah, and you know, I also have to take a moment to thank Erica for this experience because, you know, she does all the editing and the marketing of this and I know usually people have teams to do this, so I'm very thankful for you being in this experience, Erica. Thanks, Christian. You're welcome. And that's actually a great segue to what we're talking about today. Not so much the staff recognition, but on the flip side of the coin. So today's episode, we're at episode six and the title is called Hide and Seek. Where's your colleague? This is one of my favorite episodes and one is just one of my favorite titles. I love this topic, especially right now at our institution, we're doing evaluations. And so this idea of, not idea, this process of how do you give feedback to people is really relevant currently, especially when we're looking at COVID-19, right? Yeah. And now that everything is virtual, people are trying to understand how to give feedback to other people in this new space. Um, They think... Individuals, of course, who work in higher ed that I've been speaking to think that the way you get feedback looks different now that you're virtual. But I think it's understanding how are the different variables from us being so much in person to virtual? What is the feedback we're trying to give and how much is that due to a virtual landscape versus a performance issue? Yeah. So... That's a lot to think about, so thanks, Christian, for putting that out there, because it really does change the scope and the way that things actually look. But tell me about a time when you gave or received feedback. How was it for you? Uh, so the, the one time, I want to go with an example that someone gave me feedback, and I think it was not the best feedback at the time or in the environment and space. Mm-hmm. So we, me and this individual were driving to a event slash conference and it was just us two. So the, the drive was about maybe three hours mm-hmm. and full transparency. I, when I'm in long car rides, I oftentimes wear like yoga pants or just workout attire, especially if it's going to be that long. I want to feel comfortable. Yeah. So we were driving and it was great conversation. Everything from tell me about yourself to why you started joining the field of higher education, student affairs. And then out of nowhere, the conversation went from speaking about like who we are as people to, hey, I want to give you a piece of feedback. And that feedback is 
have you ever considered to not wear yoga pants as often? <laughs> and at first I was like, wow, what, what an interesting um, moment to ask someone that, like to give someone that feedback. And I was like, oh, well, what do you mean? And they then provided more context about how I should be mindful of depending where I am and I was a grad at the time, depending on like where I am in certain scenarios and situations that I shouldn't be wearing yoga pants. And like, clearly, absolutely not. Like if I'm meeting a vice president, I'm not going to show up there with like yoga pants. But it was very interesting for me that someone decided to give me feedback at that moment, at that time, recognizing that we were driving to a conference. It was just the two of us. And like, if I ever wanted to leave that conversation, physically, I couldn't. And so that was the one piece of feedback that someone gave to me that stuck with me and that I've always recognized that if I ever wanted to give feedback to someone, it wouldn't be in those environments. Or Yeah, like when you're trapped in a three-hour car ride. Yeah. <laughs> that can be very, very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say for myself, the feedback I received was helpful. So sometimes when I come into new environments, I can choose to just sit back and observe. Like that's how I like... I guess, find my balance in Mm -hmm. a situation. But the person let me know that while that's important for me to do that, um, considering the environment that I worked in, um, they had a tendency to respect people that spoke up, um, people that shared their voice and shared their opinion. And while I needed to honor the way that I feel comfortable in situations, I also needed to challenge myself and push myself um, to use my voice and speak out more. That way people would know that I was serious about topics and I was serious about like wanting to contribute and they wouldn't have to guess and check on that. So it was really a learning curve and it really did help me mm-hmm. um, find my voice more in that space, but also advocate for people to understand how I worked and give me the opportunity to feel more in balance and comfort with myself. So I appreciate you sharing that story and thank you for sharing Erica. And because I think when people, when we think of feedback, sometimes feedback has a negative connotation. I Mm -hmm. think that word does, but feedback is an opportunity to let someone know what they can do differently to help them move forward, right? And so with today's episode, we're gonna put this into four different buckets. The first bucket is talking about communication. So when you're working with other people, what are some of the common ground things that you wanna consider when speaking to that person when it comes to feedback? Bucket number two is how do you know your coworker is missing? So especially now with COVID in this virtual space, when a team member or a colleague isn't as visible, how do we as their peers provide feedback, but take a few variables into consideration? The third bucket is we wanna ensure that you as a listener are getting all the tools that you need to not only provide a peer feedback, but also hold peers accountable. So we'll be talking about one, that you don't always need a meeting to have feedback, but two, if you do decide to have that route of having a meeting, what are some key steps to keep in mind during that experience and process? And then lastly is, when should a supervisor get involved? When should they not get involved? Yeah. And so with the first bucket, it's communication. And one of the things to consider when you're thinking about communication is setting the expectations from the beginning. You never want to make assumptions of people or of things or thinking that people all left a room understanding the same thing. So it's always good as an individual or even as a team leader that you are very clear with the expectations from the beginning. And expectations can mean a lot of things. It could mean everything from how you communicate to when you submit your assignments 
to when you do check-in points or hold each other accountable. And so expectations in itself is a broad term, but ensuring that as a team or as a group of individuals that you're letting each other know what are the expectations from the beginning so you can hold each other accountable if anyone strays away from those expectations. Right. A good example is if the if I, if we all have assignments and tasks that we are supposed to hand in on time, what is the expectation of that? Does on time mean the next day? Does it mean two days late? Or does it really mean on time before that meeting? Yeah. And so even with those nuances where working in housing residence life sometimes we talk about like housing time and people show up late to meetings and people send in assignments late it's really important to really be specific about what are the expectations if you tolerate that if you don't tolerate that but the expectations allow the team to have a common language and a common understanding to move forward yeah and that kind of segues into once you have your expectations formed the law of the land, right? The law of the group. (laughs) Start paying attention to team dynamics, right? Um, In our last episode, we talk about friends at work. and There's a difference between friends at work and work friends. And so when you're talking about team dynamics, give, give some attention to who are individuals who are working well together, who may be individuals who may be alienated, and Mm -hmm. understanding as a team leader ensuring that the team dynamics doesn't interfere with the overall product in itself right um because if we're looking at group projects which in student affairs at least from my experience i work on a lot of committees (laughs) and a lot of team projects if i'm working with people i have a good relationship with i'm usually giving them feedback consistently yeah But if I don't have a very formal relationship with someone, it may be harder for me to give them feedback. Mm -hmm. And Erica and I are also going to talk about the difference um, when it comes to feedback, because you don't always have to take feedback. But I think it's important to recognize one method that one of my faculty members gave me was the 95-5 rule, Mm -hmm. that you can disagree with something 95% of it yeah but what is the 5% that there might have been some truth to that that you should apply yeah and I even think like with thinking about feedback part of it is also checking in with ourselves Um, hearing feedback can be hard Um, it's not easy to hear that you could have done something better and so it's important to make the distinction between you could have done something better versus you can be a better person Mm -hmm. um I think when we hear things, sometimes, um, and it happens to all of us, we can become very defensive when we hear things that we don't like because Mm -hmm. we are taking it in as I could have been a better person or what I did was not enough. And sometimes we need to just sit with someone said, and like Christian said, not take it and accept it um, and just apply it to all of our lives, but just listen to what the person said and ask yourself and really reflect on our experience and say, was there a place where I could have done something better, not be better, but simply have just done something better that could mm-hmm. have either changed the team dynamic or changed the way that the team was able to produce the work at the end. Um, and so it is important that we just take time to reflect on our relationship with mm-hmm. feedback. Absolutely. And 
One of the ways that can help us reflect is documentation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Eric and I said is document, document, document. And this is works on both ends, right? So if you're someone who's receiving feedback, when you think of like evaluations, take a moment to truly reflect on what your supervisor or interim supervisor said about your performance mm-hmm. that year. And while what we while what we just said that there might be some things and feedback that you may not change who you are at your core, but you want to consider and reflect on what are things that you could have done differently if given the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and go in there with an open mind and try to your best of your ability not to be dis- defensive. I think on the other side, if you're someone trying to hold someone accountable, using documentation as a communication tool is very important. And what the first thing that comes to mind is when students are having parties mm-hmm. and they have to go to the contact system, we're very document, we document everything in that process, right? We get their, their student ID, we give them that detailed description of what's happening next, we send them an email, they get their conduct hearing, we give them their sanction. But it's interesting because at, when we look at peers, we don't do as much documentation, but I sometimes think that documentation is equally as important, right? Yeah. So if I'm saying, hey, we're having a committee meeting, these are the times, these are the expectations, and I'm writing meeting minutes, saying at the next meeting, this is what we're doing, send out that documentation, and then the person hasn't been showing up with their deliverables, me using a form of email as documentation, but like, hey, I've sent this a few times. I recognize that you're not handing in your assignments. I would love to check in to see if there's something I can do differently or what we can do differently in this space. Um, So just try your best to always have your receipts with you, whether that be someone who's taking in feedback or someone that's about to give feedback. Yeah. And that definitely does lead us into... Well, how do you even know your coworker is missing, right? <laughs> and feedback can also help with that. Like, I feel like my coworker is missing because I have tried to reach out, and I well, I feel as if I've made several attempts to reach out to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not received a response, and I fear that the work is not getting done. And so, that is important to like recognize. Like, mm-hmm. well, how do I really know? Well, here's the backside of that. Some of us are not great at delegation. That is me. I am not great at delegating tasks for a whole host of reasons. (laughs) One of them is me just fearing asking people to do things. Mm -hmm. I fear overwhelming people. I also fear that people won't do them or I fear that people will be upset that I've asked them to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so one of the things that I've just come accustomed to doing is doing everything alone. The next part of that, which sucks, is that when you get used to doing everything alone, you want things done a certain way Uh at a certain time. And that's not okay. And so if you feel like you're pulling all the weight for your team, like express being overwhelmed, Uh but also check in with yourself and say, yes, I want to perform, I want to do well, I want to show up for my team, but am I showing everyone on my team that I can do everything alone? Because if I'm showing that, they're going to believe me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yep, yep. Everyone doesn't always want to add extra work to their plate. Everyone doesn't want to always have to be picking up extra tasks. Like, that's not everyone's comfort level, and that does not make people a bad professional. And so sometimes we have to manage our expectations and disappointments by finding the courage to simply ask people for help. Like, mm-hmm. let's not assume people just know what to do. Um, and if we're going to be on a team, learn to delegate, sorry, delegate tasks using servant leadership techniques. Like mm-hmm. find out which tasks people 
feel comfortable in and believe they will excel in and then ask them if they want to champion them because remember you're not the boss of any of anyone but you still do have the responsibility of getting tasks done and also remember just because it has to get done doesn't mean you have to do it Mm -hmm. I I remember I was telling Christian that all the time (laughs) Christian is always well they needed someone and I just felt bad and I was like Christian you don't have to do it somebody will do it like Christian if you don't say anything somebody will have to speak up it doesn't have to be you facts and (laughs) and it's it's what is hard is that depending on your personality type Mm -hmm. and depending on you know what identities mean the most to you in certain spaces so I've shared before like my work identity is a huge identity yeah I felt like I always had to be the champion on projects and always had to do them myself. And Erica's absolutely right. People, there are, spoiler alert, there are people <laughs> people who don't want to do more work. And that's not because they don't want to, but they have that assumption like, oh, Christian has it covered. He'll get it all done like he normally has. And so, you know, making sure you're inclusive when you are signing up for more projects, right? So I may not be someone's supervisor, but I can bring people along and empower them to help me with these projects if they haven't been for a while. Yeah. And like, even I like that you brought up like identity, like just thinking of like other identities and stereotypes that come with that. You might be afraid to be seen as lazy. You might be the only person on your um, team that holds a specific social identity and Mm -hmm. you might feel compelled to outwork and outshine so that people don't believe certain things about you. And so this is a very multi-layered situation in terms of how you show up in these spaces. But we do want to advocate that one. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You are just who you are. And that might be hard to um, um, remember and sit with all the time, but you are not required to perform based on your social identity. Facts. Be a good colleague. Be a good coworker. Be a good professional. But you don't have to carry something on your team because you fear of how it will seem due to your social identities. Yeah. And you don't need to carry the whole weight of social stereotypes on your back right it's not on you by yourself to address the stereotype that people of color are lazy right or that first gen students don't know how to do it right as erica said you are who you are and so co-sign agree that erica yeah and so now that we're in the position where we have to hold our peers accountable what do we do christian Yikes. <laughs> I say yikes because it, as I, as I shared earlier, feedback can be, can be seen as such a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you want to meet with me to give me feedback? Absolutely not. <laughs> what do you need to give me feedback on? Especially right? when people are like, I don't even like you as a professional. Why are you even coming to me? You want to give me Guidance and advice? How about I give you guidance and advice, right? These things really do happen. Like these are real. <laughs> This really happens. And people's eyes open and they're like, how do I follow up with that? Did I do something? But <laughs> the way I've always seen feedback is through two lenses. One, understanding the the goal or the intent the person's trying to give. And let's be honest, like there have been Uh, people who probably have given us quote-unquote feedback that wasn't feedback and they were just being spiteful right or shady Mm -hmm. or just wanted us to look bad even though we looked amazing beautiful in those meetings (laughs) (laughs) and 
So understanding one, the intention and the mindset of the person who's trying to give us feedback, but then the other part of that is how will this shape me? Mm-hmm. Right? So if I'm if using Erica as an example, if Erica is giving me feedback and it's based off good intentions because she cares about me and the feedback she is giving is hopefully going to help me as a professional, then I should take that feedback in good heart. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was all the opposite, Erica's just being sassy, being rude, wants to hurt my feelings, and she actually wants me to crash and burn, then absolutely not. And even in those statements, even in those like situations, you have the right to say like, hey, like, thank you for coming to me and telling me this, but I don't appreciate the way that I was approached. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm not open to your feedback, but I'd like for us to discuss like how we can do this in a way, because the feedback is supposed to be for me, meaning that I should be benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's being given now, I'm not benefiting from it. Right. And there are multiple layers depending on the situation or the topic that you're giving feedback on. And so I think the first thing, and kind of like I said already, was understanding the intent of the person and the end goal. Yeah. The second part is when we're thinking of feedback, you don't always need to have a formal meeting to give feedback. Right. If I'm on a virtual Zoom call and I spilled soy sauce on my t-shirt and Erica's like, hey Christian, you want to change your shirt? There's soy sauce on it? Oh yeah, got thing. Thanks for looking out. About to go change. Something as small as that is giving me feedback. Uh, but Erica's being a friend and saying, hey Christian, you should probably do something different with what you're wearing because of that happened. And using that as a small example, when you think of your friends, your friends give you feedback t- in a timely manner and hopefully at real time. Yeah. And so if it's something small of course try being mindful of when you're giving that feedback but the feedback should always be timely yeah and so if it doesn't need to be a meeting and again there are several scenarios where things should be in meetings but if you're thinking of just following up with someone on something they might have said in the in a space just saying hey do you have five minutes to talk i would love to um ask you a follow-up question with what occurred in the space Mm -hmm. um that doesn't need a formal meeting But for things that do require a meeting, just some things to keep in mind that overarch both those areas that don't need a meeting that do. One is that feedback is always good and should always be timely. Two, always being mindful of the way we're communicating. So this is where the student affairs is going to kick in. But be mindful of your I statements. Be mindful of your you statements. And ensure that when you're expressing yourself that you avoid using evaluation statements. And it's important that we take ownership of how we feel because we never want to make assumptions about how other people feel. Yeah. If someone didn't show up at a meeting, I can explain, hey, not having my coworker co-present with this on me made it made me feel a little bit challenged in that space versus you didn't want to show up. You want me to feel challenged. And you know what? Forget you. Because mm. we never know what that person may have been going through or feeling that situation. So make sure you're paying attention to your I statements and try to avoid using language that evaluates someone. Yeah, like you're not working hard enough. You don't really want to be here. Like when we evaluate other people's statements, I'm reading this book right now called Nonviolent Communication. I forgot who it's by, but it's really good. Mm -hmm. When we use like evaluation statements, like typically we aren't expressing what we need. It's Mm -hmm. like someone gave you a piece of feedback like, oh, 
like when that individual said, have you ever thought about not wearing yoga pants enough? Well, did they give you advice on what they thought you could wear? What would be flattering for you? No. They just said, have you ever thought about not doing this, but didn't have anything else to Uh offer you that could potentially help you? Let's say you really need help with your wardrobe as a professional, Uh right? Thinking about access, thinking about what you can afford, like, there was nothing that followed up with that. So there was really no help with that statement. Uh uh So also making sure that when we do express our needs and that we think that someone could do something different, that we also offer advice on what they can do and make sure that it's doable. Absolutely, absolutely. And so let's say we're in that space where we have to schedule a meeting. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna break this up into three buckets, which is what you should be doing before the meeting, what you should be doing during the meeting and after the meeting. And so before the meeting, pick a location that's suitable for all individuals and also be mindful of the time of day. I'm a morning person. I wake up at three o'clock, go to Orange Theory at five. By my first nine o'clock meeting, everyone's like, wow, Christian's really alert right now. (laughs) But by four o'clock, I'm tired, sassy, and don't want to really deal with a lot of things. I'm still at work though. So, you know, I have to be appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're thinking of before the meeting, make sure you're picking a time and location that's suitable for all individuals, not just one person. Mm-hmm. The second thing is ensure that if you're the person that's giving the feedback, that you're giving the other individual some context to what you're going to be meeting about. Right. right? You don't want to be blindsided or you don't want to blindside someone into a space like, oh, we're just going to catch up. I actually want to address several issues with you in this space. (laughs) Excuse me? Like, what? So before the meeting, make sure that there's a suitable time and place that works for everyone. But then the second part is also recognizing that you are giving enough context if you're the person giving the feedback to the other person so they are mentally aware of what they're going to walk into that space because no one wants to be blindsided. During the meeting, which is either the most exciting or the most um, scariest part of the, of, of this, is be specific and be direct. Mm-hmm. I hate the sandwich method. It is, I love sandwiches, don't get me wrong. I usually do an Italian sub um, as a sandwich, but avoid the sandwich method, which is we oftentimes like to throw like what someone did well. And then what? throw in there the little spices of salt and pepper of what we want someone to do differently. And then do another layer of bread that is delicious and what they did great. When in fact, we were really focusing on the middle part of the seasonings, right? So try your best to be specific and direct. If someone did something great, let them know what they're doing great. Mm-hmm. Let them know what they're excelling in. But if you're going to give feedback to someone about something that you want to see differently, make sure you're allowing as much time and energy to talk about that and if you want to include the other stuff in there too go for it but making but being sure that you're being specific and direct because believe it or not people are going to walk out of spaces sometimes saying i didn't hear that yeah and to be honest they probably really didn't because your salt and pepper was not cayenne it was not <laughs> habanero like people did not get well i didn't that's not what i took from the meeting you said i was doing great you said i mean i could have been doing better at this point but you never said i had to be doing better at this point so i mean okay right right during the meeting you also want to be mindful of your body language Mm -hmm. and while this may be hard for individuals right i'm very expressive even right now i'm talking with my hands as if i'm a painter i'm looking at my painting sets right in the corner but 
you want to be aware of how you, to the best of your ability, train to express yourself in those spaces. You want to remain neutral. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be pulling your hair, scratching your face, you know, about to give the middle finger. Like, you want to avoid all those body languages, may they be intentional or not, that are problematic. And look look like you're taking it seriously. And also look like you, you understand that you might be putting someone in, in an uncomfortable position. And that you're not being lackadaisical about it. Yeah, these are people's jobs. Unless you're talking about something outside of the workplace. But this is, (laughs) we're talking about people's jobs. And so be mindful of how you're showing up in that meeting. Because if you are giving nonverbals, or even if you are giving verbals that are going against with what you're trying to set up, you're not going to get through to that person. Right. Or what they'll probably walk away remembering is your nonverbals of you scratching your face, you pulling your hair, you doing what else you're doing in that space. So just be mindful of your body language. Additionally, try to be solution oriented. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're giving feedback, it's not only you did this, you need to change that, go fix this. It's how do we reach to a common goal? So if someone is not using the example of deadlines, if someone isn't meeting deadlines, it's not just meet your, make sure you get in your work on time or else it's, hey, I recognize that with some of our last deliverables, specifically this deliverable and this deliverable, they haven't been meeting our deadline. I would love to talk a little bit about what we can do differently to ensure that you are meeting our deadlines, but also do you need any additional support? And or are these deadlines problematic? So try to be solution oriented because the goal is to ensure that the employee is succeeding and there might be things that we don't know that can impact the solution and can improve the experience for all people involved. Yeah. And the last thing during the meeting is just keep in mind of biases. Um, so we talked about earlier about stereotypes and I want to make sure that people walk away hearing that no matter what happens in life, we're always going to have biases. We can try our best to acknowledge them and to minimize them in spaces. Mm -hmm. But when you're thinking about your feedback, make sure that you're thinking about the performance, not the specific individual, right? So if your feedback ties back to an identity or to who a person is, I would challenge you and say, is it more about the person or more about the job? And the answer should always be, it should always be about the job and the performance, not the core of the person, right? Yeah. Um, and and so that, that was everything during the meeting. So be direct, be specific, be mindful of your body language, be solution-oriented, and check your bias. And after the meeting, what you want to do is provide follow-up. Document, document, document. Have your receipts. Show that the conversation mm-hmm. happened. But also check in if there were any interfering emotions or actions that took place. Did that person accept everything without saying a word and just walked away? Did that person throw a table? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But check in if you have to, and if there are, again, things are multi-layered here, so if if you have that relationship with that person, Mm -hmm. say, hey, I recognize that there was not much communication happening from your side. I just wanted to check in to see if we, if you would like to revisit anything that was said or if you want to take a moment to share anything with me. 
And lastly, is just be mindful of gossiping. I think there's a difference from gossiping, venting, and processing. And the thing that they have all in common is that they involve another person. Yes. But you want to make sure that after your meeting, you're still being direct with that person, as well as not telling everyone someone else's business. Right. Confidentiality is important. Yes. It's highly important. And we don't want people walking away from sometimes hard life conversations Mm -hmm. to then recognizing that what I thought we said in confidentiality has not been told to the whole team. Right. Because as a supervisor, you shouldn't be doing that. And if you are currently doing that, I would ask yourself to um, reflect (laughs) and also look into best practices of giving feedback. Right. So now you have attempted to give your coworker feedback. It mm-hmm. was a little murky, it was a little gray, but it didn't turn out well. Um, you still can't find them. <laughs> Hide and seek, your partner is still missing. So now, now um, you have to do something else. And this means you have to involve a supervisor, yours, theirs, or one that you both share. So the first step, ask yourself a very serious question. Have I attempted to address the problem first? Mm. Have I attempted to find my colleague? Because if you don't, (laughs) and you go and speak to your supervisor or someone else, you are going to create a longstanding enemy in the department because most people do not get over this. (laughs) You thought tattoos lasted forever? (laughs) Can you believe that three years ago they went to go tell my supervisor and they didn't even ask me first? These are real things because what it does is one, people will think that you're bad, you're malintentioned because mm-hmm. you haven't done your due diligence of just assuming that they were acting off good intentions and either they forgot or something just wasn't clear. Mm-hmm. And so always make sure that you are the person that at least tries to address the problem. Don't address the problem via email and then CC your supervisor in the same email because that also <laughs> is not kind. <laughs> And if the, tr- the trouble is continuing, just ask someone, hey, like, how, do you want to revisit this conversation? And if you took measures to revisit the conversation and it's not working, you got to let your supervisor know. And so mm-hmm. try to have open communication with your supervisor. Show documented proof of trying to communicate with your coworker. If your supervisor wants to have a mediated conversation between the two of you, because the thing is, is that some in some work environments, the person that you have feedback about might be your supervisor's favorite employee. That's always a very uncomfortable position. Like no other. <laughs> They can be extremely biased. You say Mm -hmm. something and the question becomes, are you sure you just don't like this person? Well, when I've been working with this person, I just had a wonderful experience (laughs) with them. It can be very hard for even some supervisors to realize that Mm -hmm. they have a bias towards certain coworkers, right? And so if they're going to be put in a mediated situation and they're like, I think all three of us should have a talk. Ask yourself, are you comfortable with that situation? Don't get set up. Don't get set up. (laughs) Don't put yourself in the position to get set up. And if you notice that your supervisor is playing favorites with dealing with the situation, document what you see. Uh Always make sure that you write things down and you have proof of things because you never want it to be a my word against someone Uh else's words. And the thing is that sometimes you and your supervisor may have like different identities and you may feel uncomfortable saying something based off that fact. And that's a very real fear. Um, Mm-hmm. And that can be very hard to overcome, especially if you think that your supervisor 
also has a bias towards people with certain identities, social identities, whether that mean racial identity, orientation, and ability. Um, and these are things that you definitely want to document and you want to mm-hmm. put out there. And if it gets to the point where you're like, this person is not really willing to see me and understand what I'm saying, and I feel like biases are happening against me, file a complaint, um, follow up with HR. Yeah. Um, definitely that can be scary too because you don't want to feel like you're isolating yourself in the workplace but when we're thinking about giving feedback and we're thinking about calling things out it's not just how it's impacting us it's also about how it's going to impact the other people in the department at the time or impact the people that come after us because if you see this issue likely other people see it too yeah uh, co-sign and agree and Human resources is one of your biggest allies and champions. Or, And if you don't have that relationship with your HR unit, I hope that you can work with a different office or someone else on that HR team that you can speak to because these moments of having to report that your supervisor may have a bias and that you're trying to understand what your options are. Again, these are people's livelihoods and jobs, and so it yeah. might be very challenging. But to Erica's point, if you have to... If you are seeing, if you or a group of people are seeing something, and if you don't say something, that's just as bad, right? Um, because once you leave, that person might still be there doing the same thing over and over again. So just make sure that if you are taking notes and that you're trying to address an experience that you're having, to ensure that you have your receipts, but you also work with human resources. Yeah. All right. So to sum it up, um, make sure that your supervisor is aware before you do that. Make sure you reach out to your colleague and you attempt to solve the issue first. Um, If having a meeting with your supervisor is not helping the situation, make sure that you document that. If you notice that your supervisor is biased towards the other person, being biased towards you, being biased towards people that have specific identities, Um, on the team, make sure you document that and find the courage to reach out to people in HR and let them know that there is a bias happening within your department. Um, And just lean on people for support during that time and let people know what you're experiencing because you don't have to go through these things alone. Absolutely. And to sum up today's episode, we talked about four different things. The first thing we talked about was communication. It's important to set expectations from the beginning and being aware of team dynamics. Who may feel comfortable giving feedback in a space, who may not, and how are people working with one another? Additionally, just always remember to document, document, document. May those be the expectations or may those be those many minutes that we've talked about before, but you want to ensure that you always have your receipts in the event that you want to give feedback to anyone. Secondly is how do you know your colleague or your coworker is missing? It's hard, especially now with COVID-19 when we're virtual, to make assumptions or to be aware of what everyone's doing at every time in every space. But you want to make sure that you're doing your part to understand, one, is your colleague really missing? (laughs) But two, how to manage expectations when it comes to if there is feedback that you want to provide or if someone did not do a task appropriately. Just remember that though you aren't the boss, you still have responsibilities to get tasks done. And just because something needs to get done doesn't mean that you or they necessarily have to do it. Amen. Thirdly, 
is when we're talking about peer accountability and feedback is one feedback doesn't always need a meeting space. Mm-hmm. You can do it in passing, depending on the feedback, right? Um, but then also remembering just two general things when it comes to feedback. One, understanding the intent of the feedback and what is the person trying to do, right? Is the feedback someone trying to give me helpful to help me become who I want to become at the end of the day? Um, but then secondly, understanding nonviolent communication. So in making sure that we are feeling empowered to use I statements versus you statements and not evaluating people. Set up the meeting if you have to. And within that meeting, just making sure you're choosing a location that's suitable for all folks, making sure that the individual is aware of what you're going to talk about during the meeting, be direct, be specific, be mindful of your salt and pepper, (laughs) be mindful of your body language, be solution oriented, and make sure you're checking your bias. And after the meeting, make sure you're following up if you need to. Definitely follow up by providing meeting minutes about what occurred in that space. But if there were any actions or emotions that do require follow-up, make sure you do so. And lastly, when it comes to involving a supervisor, make sure that you as an individual try to address the problem first. Secondly, being aware that if a continued if the issue still does continue, that is okay to let your supervisor be aware and let them know. As Erica shared, there are multiple variables that may impact this experience. So make sure you're showing your documents, your receipts, your proof that you've tried to have ongoing communication with your coworker, but nothing has been going properly since that conversation. Um, But then additionally, just be aware of what identities your supervisor has, right? So if the feedback you're giving to another coworker (laughs) is um, someone that they may have a great relationship with, or if they hold different identities, you wanna be mindful of all those different variables. And lastly, when it comes to holding different identities and working with HR, HR, human resources, because acronyms matter, is seen as a key resource for you in this experience. And so if you ever feel unsure about giving feedback to a supervisee, a peer, or a supervisor, lean on HR as a resource. Great. Thanks for the recap, Christian. And that is the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope that you have a great rest of your day. Yes. Peace.